Welcome to Days Update for November 13th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Logie. And I'm Brandon Perkins. Yeah, just a two-man show this week, uh, yeah. but we still have plenty to talk about uh, for this week. We had a big Indie World Showcase mm-hmm. showing off a bunch of new indie games coming to mostly just the Switch yep. uh, here, but uh, we got some other stuff coming out here in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got one coming out next year. As well yeah. as some new games being announced and such, and uh, two big beefs being handled in public. Oh, uh, yeah. That we'll get to talking about, as well as uh, some PlayStation Plus stuff here happening this week coming up. Uh, mm. But before we do that, we'll talk about what we've been playing. Uh, yeah. I'll kick it off here with uh, God of War Ragnarok, the big mm-hmm. release for this past week that I'm enjoying a lot. I'm only about three hours in, so I'm not going to. Mm spoil much here of anything uh mm-hmm. it's a lot of very basic stuff we kind of knew going in that you know ragnarok is about to happen at some point mm-hmm. uh, it seems like uh, they are in the middle of fimble winter uh just sort of the long winter that's you know happens before ragnarok happens mm-hmm. uh, it's been about i think two or three years since the first game mm-hmm. so atreus has grown up a little bit mm-hmm. as a, a teenager Mm. Uh, to which when you get to meet uh, Sindri and Brock again, uh, Brock is very much like, what the hell is this? Mm. Uh, very much mad that he has sort of outgrown the armor that he got mm. the last time around. And so it's like, well, bring him over and we'll make some armor for him, but you're going to have to keep doing this because he's going to keep betraying us and getting taller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, guess the, I guess the underlying tone there is that he kind of liked that he was short, so he kind of was around the same height as the dwarves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Brock is pretty good so far in this game. He's a lot more uh, vulgar, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, when he they're talking about where they're going next. And he's like, oh, yeah, that place is probably full of a bunch of Odin fuckers. Mm-hmm. Uh, who uh, uh, is a pretty good way to talk about uh, the... The first area you get to, but yeah, it's it's a game that very much is an evolution of what the first game was. Nothing really oh, yeah. huge that has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you even uh, get to keep uh, the two main weapons that you had mm-hmm. the first time around. The uh, Blades of Chaos in your uh, axe that uh, and Atreus still has his uh, bow and arrows. Mm-hmm. All that good stuff, you know. You're still in the uh, the world of God of War. Mm-hmm. You know they are very much sticking around in this same uh, spaces, though. At least the, the the big first area you're going to is somewhere new. I assume that you'll get to some more familiar areas and all that, as there is more boat stuff here. Uh, but that's less of like the big Lake of the Nine. I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you're exploring, but yeah, uh, they do kind of a lot of the same kind of stuff. A lot of the same uh, sort of upgrade stuff, having great materials and some some mm-hmm. cash to uh, you know have them craft new equipment or upgrade your old ones. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. It's presented a little bit differently, maybe a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, than the original. You have your skill tree upgrades that you pay with your XP that you're earning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And 
now they're more explicit instead of it being like a separate or no a, a single pool between the both of them now mm-hmm. uh Kratos and Atreus gets their own yeah uh XP pools to spend on that stuff but otherwise it's a lot of the same kind of stuff which is perfectly fine mm-hmm. you're going to tell you know story uh following what happened in the first game you're not really going to be changing too much here. It's not like it's going to be completely new settings uh, the entire time. But yeah, I'm curious to see how this story progresses and all that, but yeah, definitely a thing I've been seeing people talk about is like there's more humor to this game, and definitely that is a, a big point. It's the those So far, it's been mostly with the dwarves uh, that make your armor and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not too surprising. They were fairly humorous back in the first game, uh, though yeah, Brock gets to curse a bit more. I believe when he first meets Kratos again, <laughs> he's he calls them fuckers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having all sorts of fun there with that. So looking forward to putting some more time into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also been playing a little to the left. Uh, that is part of the Indie World Showcase. Mm-hmm. A game that I played the demo when it was on Steam Next Fest a few months ago. and. Mm-hmm. Playing it now, it's still a very good game. Uh, it's basically a puzzle game based mm-hmm. around organizing sort of household objects. Uh, maybe like some of the stuff you would do in unpacking, but to a, a bigger degree. Because mm-hmm. you're not unpacking a bunch of you know personal belongings and placing them in a room. Uh, instead, you're getting like an early one. It's like, here's a pile of papers and you... You're like, oh, I should just organize these and you know put the the biggest paper mm. down first at the bottom and sort of go up smaller, that kind of stuff. Though you do get puzzles that have multiple solutions, mm. so you might get like a, a series of books that you can organize, and you might go like, oh, the obvious one is maybe by size, mm. uh, but you may have you know colors, like doing a color gradient of sorts mm-hmm. uh, that you could organize by. Or maybe a specific pattern on the books that might lead you to a different solution, mm. uh, or even something like you know the size of the book, the the width, as a, a potential thing. So, yeah, there's kind of a a decent bit of variety in there for uh, the various puzzles, and there's only like one type that really stymies me. It's these ones that are kind of mirror puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily mirrors in actual mirrors, but more you get two pairs of the same item or, mm-hmm. or a pair of the same item, and you're supposed to arrange them in such a way that you know uh, the left side mirrors the right side, right? Kind of thing that it's not always obvious, like what the the pattern you're supposed to place them in, because mm-hmm. every other puzzle generally has pretty good uh, ability for you to know, like, oh, this is you know these items lock into these specific spaces. So I just got to figure out the way to put them together. Uh, But those ones don't. And the way you place them down, sometimes they'll adjust the, the opposite uh, version in some way. And I'm like, I don't know, understand like what that does or anything, but luckily the game's pretty generous with, they have a hint system Mm -hmm. as more like a, a doodle version of the solution and then just has a bunch of uh, like pencil marks all all over it. So it makes it hard to see. 
Right. So you have to take an eraser to erase off the, the pencil marks to see like what's under. So you can kind of start erasing a little bit of it. Cause if you're trying to figure like, well, I just need a little bit to understand what I'm supposed to be doing here mm. kind of thing. You can do that. Uh, it also has an option in the menus called let it be, which just lets you skip the puzzle mm. to move it to the next one. Uh, so uh, it lets you kind of continue on without it being like a progress block. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a nice uh, thing there. And mm. uh, what else they have in there? They have a daily puzzle system mm. uh, that I've seen people liking it to Wordle in a sense. Yeah. If <laughs> you're trying to potentially get streaks, uh, which I think it has achievements for going up to 365 days in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, and conveniently, when I streamed it, the first one I got was one of those mirror puzzles, and I just could not figure it out for the life of me. Right. Uh, so conveniently, once midnight hit, I checked out the next one and got it done in like five seconds yeah. uh, after the stream was over. So it was a great example of how uh, occasionally the puzzles can be perplexing, uh, depending on how you process that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's pretty easy early on. Uh, the other neat thing to this is that occasionally a cat just fucks with you during his puzzles. It's kind of the, uh, a main uh, sticking point though. For most of it, it's not really, you don't really see the cat ever. There's like a couple of puzzles yeah. specifically where the cat shows up to fuck with you. But yeah. uh, I've seen one puzzle. I tried a couple times. It was a, another mirror one where the cat just came out and just started moving shit around yeah. uh, just to fuck with me. Uh, luckily, it wasn't too big of an issue. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, that's a game I really like a lot. It's on uh, Switch and PC. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth checking out. PC might be uh, a bit uh, better than that in the Switch version because you have a mouse to move stuff around. Yeah. Versus moving a cursor to grab stuff, but I think it's fine either way yeah. uh, for that. So yeah, that's uh. That's that one, and Once Upon a Jester's another new release that is also mm-hmm. an Indie World Showcase that I grabbed. Uh, this one I grabbed on the Switch, and it is a game that I'd say is a comedic, musical, sort of traveling theater troupe game mm-hmm. uh, where you are a pair of uh, buddies who start off in this first town who learn of this like contest to perform at the kingdom uh, suck and jester uh, you mm-hmm. play you control jester who very much has a jester look to them mm-hmm. suck has kind of a sock head mm-hmm. look to him so you're kind of doing a lot of that stuff and it's a quite a fun game and i i think there are a lot of cool vibes to it that i would liken to home movies a lot where very much the uh, a lot of the their attempts to make these different shows uh, that you get are very amateurish. And uh, when you're at various points in each of the shows, you get uh, opportunities to choose like what sort of direction you're going to go with uh, in that show, in that little show. Uh, it might be like, oh, we're going to do a little music thing here or go to an action segment or do something spooky or dramatic and like the other one's romantic kind of spin. Uh, you get like at least three choices and a lot of that stuff. Uh, so uh, before you do those performances, you kind of 
get an opportunity to go around the town and look at what people are talking about. And they'll have signs up as well that kind of give you hints to like what topics they don't want to see for that night. So it might be like, oh, no love stuff, no romantic stuff to that night. Uh, or, you know, no action. So you have to adjust the 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 directions you're taking your your shows accordingly, uh, which yeah. lets you try out a lot of the the ways that they vary uh, between the different sort of topic changes or whatever, and it kind of adds a very kind of improv troop kind of vibe to the whole game, uh, yeah. which is something I really like about it. And I'm in the I just got to the third town uh, in it. I think it's. It's uh, three towns, and then you get to the kingdom. You're trying to get uh, 15 bouquets of roses mm-hmm. after after each of the uh, performances. It's like up to five rating you get. So if you're doing pretty all right, I've been getting a lot of fours. So after four nights, I can get out of there yeah. uh, pretty easily. Uh, though sometimes you can fuck up, and it's not... Like the the one time I really fucked up, uh, I got three out of five. Uh, but the others I got four, so it wasn't too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's got a lot of good humor to it. Uh, talk between the different uh, uh, the different performances, you get to explore the town and like look at the talk to people. You have a buddy that's running a market uh, stall in each of the towns, and he's got. The accents are great. I believe the studio is Dutch. Uh, it's a team of four musicians that decided to make games. And so there's a lot of good musical stuff to this and also a lot of good humor. And they do weird accents. And they, in the Indie World Showcase little presentation they did, they talked about a lot of times they just use their first take, even if it they messed up something in it. Because you can hear yeah. times where they're about to do break out laughing or something because they mess something up or say something weird. Uh, but it all adds to the whole vibe of the game and makes it a really fun kind of experience mm. uh, that I'm excited to get back into. Uh, yeah, just had a, a fun bit uh, going through uh, the wild woods mm. that are between these two areas. And so you stop in this little, little town in there that. You really shouldn't have, uh, but it was getting dark, I guess, and so they decided to stop. And you find this guy who has a pinata for a head because uh, the witch uh, mm-hmm. that uh, occasionally visits just turned his head into a pinata. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then there you also run into a certain creature that's been kind of stalking you for a while, and you learn mm-hmm. their nature. And uh, apparently they can play the bass and they join in on your song, uh, kind of performance thing, and. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun moments and such to the game that is uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely recommend people that kind of like uh, improv stuff, comedic, musical kind of stuff. And then, yeah, you know, like I said, it has some home movie vibes that I really like to it. Uh, the Brennan Small Show mm-hmm. uh, back in the day were like, they were working with uh, materials they that were... Uh, that wasn't maybe as good as you would you would want, but they made the best out of it. That's mm-hmm. kind of a lot of what's going on here. Uh, so much so that they 
they do a lot of cool stuff to to play with your expectations. Like early on, they go like, "Oh, we fucked up, game over," and they go rolling the credits and like, "Wait, wait, you didn't think it was ending that easily?" Cool. Uh, get back onto the game, kind of thing. So yeah, it's it's a fun time. Uh, and the other game I've been playing, uh, this came out on Friday, Atari 50. Uh, the Anniversary Celebration is the full title. It is you know, a 50th anniversary Atari collection done by Digital Clips. Mm. And it is an incredibly impressive product. Uh, it has a bunch of games in it from the 2600 all the way up to the Jaguar and Lynx. Uh, two platforms there that never make it into any of these kind of collections. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the the thing that I dived in when I, I dove into when I played the uh, collection on the stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, those weren't great platforms. Uh, but, you know, the, the neat thing about the links is that, you know, it was a color screen, uh, LCD screen that's, you know, the Game Boy that released a few years earlier was not mm-hmm. uh, so got to do some interesting stuff with that, bringing you know more console uh, ish games to the platform that could look better, maybe mm-hmm. run a little bit better, uh, that kind of stuff. But it has just a, a weird design where there are sort of two sets of the same buttons on the one side mm-hmm. uh, because you can kind of flip it around and play it left handed or right handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of thing that's just kind of a, a weird little thing to it. You know, it has like better speakers and you can see like the marketing materials they have in this game that show you like, oh yeah, they definitely like tried to hammer that home. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh the Game Boy sucks. We have, you know, better screen and all this. Uh even like one of the, the marketing materials uh specifically shows uh for the Jaguars shows like Mario and Sonic on the ad. Mm-hmm. That was like, oh, that's a thing that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Uh, nobody's ever going to show like uh, the enemy thing uh, stuff in there that might reference like the other guys don't do this, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get to see a lot of magazine ads here that are pretty fun. Like a, a neat uh, thing that I saw in the boxes of the. Jaguar games is that they always had a screenshot on the front of the box mm-hmm. that you know was not a thing that game boxes really did. Uh, it was always on the back, uh, but they show you something on front, I guess, as a way to show you kind of more what the game is yeah. without having to flip it over. Since you know they might be in a locked case that you wouldn't get to flip it over yeah. uh, at times. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the thing you also find out pretty quickly when you start playing some of these games, like. They're not great. Uh, the Lynx games are all pretty simple for what they are. They're, they're you know, D-pad and two buttons. It's nothing mm-hmm. too complicated. But also this being an Atari collection means none of the third-party stuff is in here. Mm-hmm. So you can see in ads, like, a bunch of games that are mentioned. And you're like, oh, we're not going to get most of these because these are third-party games. You know, you're not going to yeah. get, I'm um, looking at now, like, Miss Pac-Man or Rampage or Gauntlet. Or Rygar, Paperboy, and it's like, yeah, you're not going to get any of those. Nope. Those were third-party games. Yep. So I'm looking at it right now. There's like Scrapyard Dog, supposedly 
labeled as the best platformer on the system. And it's like, that's not, that's not a lofty, you know, claim. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's like a game called Turbo Sub that is like a uh, flight shooter game where you're flying around shooting at enemies. Uh, that's pretty impressive for what it is. Um, mm. I was doing on a Lynx, but you know it's not particularly great. There's like Basket Brawl, uh, which is like that weird period of basketball games where there's a lot of combat to them. Mm. Uh, like NBA Jam would dominate pretty quickly once that mm. showed up. I would say like Charles Barkley, Shut Up and Jam, that kind of stuff. And that's the thing there is like, yeah, I guess that kind of works, but it's also just weird mm. uh, for what it is. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the one that's actually probably the most interesting is like Malibu Bikini Volleyball. Which is mm -hmm. a volleyball game that plays pretty well. Uh, and it also does a lot of work. Like you have options in it. That's also interesting to see like options in a portable game, which I don't think very many uh, Game Boy games had that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but here you had like options for, you know, speed of the ball, like essentially making the game easier so you can actually do that kind of stuff. Uh, it's like, yeah, this game maybe sucks, but I'm going to make it easier so I can have more fun. Uh, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Jaguars, where things get really kind of sketchy, uh, because the Jaguar mm -hmm. controller is a very unique controller. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a three-button controller with a numpad below it. Mm -hmm. uh, so the games, the way they emulate them, uh, they essentially map the numpad stuff, unless it's uh, useful buttons. They put it on the D-pad or the, the, the right stick as like mm -hmm. a weapon wheel kind of selection. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're actual useful buttons, they might put them on, you know, any of the other face buttons or shoulder buttons. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the one that supposedly came with the system was a game called Cybermorph, mm -hmm. which is a like polygonal 3d shooter kind of. Yeah. That is just bad. Uh, it's real. It took me a while to, just understand how it played because it's, you know, this is an era where this stuff wasn't necessarily standardized mm -hmm. just yet, 3D games. So, yeah, it's, but I did get the achievement, the, the trophy that's for angering the, the weird face that shows up occasionally mm -hmm. to say like nice things or bad things, but there's just a, a trophy that's just for, hey, get her angry and say the, the one line that people mm -hmm. know, I guess. And there's others that are like a, a side-scrolling shmup called Trevor McFur in the Crescent Galaxy that's bad, but they tried to make an R-type game. Mm -hmm. and there's like a game called Evolution Dino Dudes. It's like a, uh, a Lemmings game, mm -hmm. but bad. Uh, and there's the actual, probably the best game here of any of these mm -hmm. is Tempest 2000, uh, which is, if you didn't know, that's Jeff Minter making a sequel to Tempest. Yeah, and it has a lot of early versions of the trippy stuff that Jeff Minter would do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, him at Llama Soft, and yeah. this game is very good. Uh, and it's great to have an official way to play this mm -hmm. instead of having to go through emulation and all that. And you definitely see uh, they even call it like Meltovision graphics for this weird brand of mm -hmm. uh, trippy graphics kind of thing. But yeah, a lot of it's still Tempest and all that. Yeah. Uh, but they do have like uh, the original game. There's like co op stuff too, and a multiplayer game to play against your buddies mm -hmm. kind of stuff. There's an interesting club drive game that's like a 3D 
a fully 3D free roaming driving game. Mm. Uh, though free roaming is more of like you have like a finite space to explore in. Like the first one you get to is a a bedroom looking thing. So you're like a little toy car driving through it. Mm-hmm. But you do get to go to like a handful of other areas. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the, what you get out of that is more just like go around and collect the, this randomly spawning uh, little uh, ball that drops around. It's like you get uh, 10 of them. I think you can adjust settings for that stuff uh, for how fast and you just try and get up your leaderboard, your local leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, no online leaderboards with any of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Some of the seeing some of these games in yeah. action. There's like a pinball game in there that I was surprised was even a thing that happened. There's like a Missile Command 3D, which is like what if uh, a lot of like the shitty uh, N64 ports of games. This very much feels like that. You're basically playing like first person uh, Missile Command, where the cities are kind of laid out around you and sort of a more spherical formation as you look around and place shots, but you can also just play original missile command. And they have the game called Atari carts, which is like, Oh yeah, we should do Mario Kart Cause that's when this happened and it sucks. But yeah, there's like, and there's a really terrible 3d fighting game called fight for your fight for life. That's just awful yeah. in every way, but yeah, it's, but it was directed by somebody that worked on Virtual Fighter, so yeah, that means it's going to be just as good. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Uh, it's a very poorly made game, but hey, that's the part of history is that there's going to be good and bad parts of it, and it all should be noted. Uh, and you can see like marketing materials, like when they had to drop prices and pull stunts to like have a Jaguar kiosk in a a mall in Colorado to mm-hmm. get people to pay attention to them in 1995 mm-hmm. holiday season. Cause that's like when the PlayStation was about to hit and like the Saturn would be out by that point, And the N64 would be coming out the year after that. And it's like, yeah, they, they tried a lot of things uh, to get people to pay attention to these systems. And it obviously didn't work because these are like their last hurrahs in the console space uh, kind of stuff. And yeah, the, mm-hmm. the collection itself has, a lot of good supplemental material. There's some video interviews with people that worked uh, at Atari and some that worked around them, all that kind of stuff. And you can go into a lot of their uh, original arcade stuff, Jaguar, Lynx, 2600, 5200, 7800 stuff, uh, some of their PC stuff that they made uh, as well. And, uh, even there, they had some a handful of original games that are uh, made by Digital Clips that are like some are mashups of uh, some of their other games. Some mm-hmm. are there's like one that's like a continuation of a series on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred that was supposed to be a four part series that only got three. Uh, there's one that's like, oh yeah, they they kind of made Simon before Simon was popular, but obviously it didn't get that popular. Uh, to it, so you know, there's like a new reimagined Yara's Revenge yeah. kind of thing that's cool, and there's a new haunted house, all that kind of stuff. It's a really cool collection. It has a lot of interesting historical stuff if you're interested in that. Yeah. Uh, the games are going to be iffy depending on you know how uh, easily you take to that kind of stuff. 
some yeah. of these games are obviously going to be just hard to decipher because it's literally yeah. them figuring out how to make you know a platformer or yeah. an action game on a you know a seven uh twenty six hundred kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, let's be completely honest: the controls for a lot of games were suggestions more than anything else. Yeah, like an Atari VCS mm-hmm. controller is just a stick and a button. Yep. So they they did what they could with the things they had at that time. Uh, but they did a lot at times. Yep. You know, there's even a 2600 game that's from, you know, that was made in the 90s. Mm-hmm. To show, like, yeah, people were still making those games back then. Yeah. Uh, not very often, but some yeah. would occasionally leak out, and people would you could see like what a more modern context for game development yeah could apply to that ses- that system. I have a feeling that probably developing a game for the twenty six hundred is probably easier than a lot of say modern gaming. So you know, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean a lot. Most of those old Atari twenty six hundred games were pretty much one hundred percent. Like one man shows, so yeah, like a, maybe a couple people at most. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that uh, that was a very interesting time in gaming in the the early seven or the mid seventies to the the eighties, as Atari was huge in the seventies, mm-hmm. waned in the eighties as they got bought by Warner, and then Nintendo came in and destroyed them, essentially, uh, as well as they destroyed themselves. Mm-hmm. And got sold around a lot, so it's kind of it's kind of wild that modern Atari would have this kind of collection be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a very cool collection. It's forty bucks. It's on everything Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's been pretty much it for me. So how about you, Brandon? Um. Well, uh, as for me, pretty much my entire game has been consumed by Persona 5 Royal uh, up to this point. Um, I had forgotten just how incredibly addictive that game was, and now that I've started playing it again, I 100% understand, uh, you know, why... First, understanding why that game was as great as the first time around, but also understanding how... In many ways, they have managed to build upon what is essentially perfection. Um, They definitely added some quality of life details to this game that definitely make it, if not necessarily easier, it definitely makes it run smoother. Um, And the sort of additional stuff that they've added onto it, the additional characters and stuff like that, they managed to, really did manage to sort of put them in very smoothly. Um... So, the thing about Persona 5 Royal is there's actually, like, a whole new, like, uh, palace that you can get and a whole new semester, like, a whole new boss fight and everything that you can get uh, towards, uh, that you can do. But in order to access it, you have to uh, essentially not necessarily max out, but you have to get it, like, pretty far up. Uh, the relationship status with three of the characters, uh, two of them being the new characters they introduced to it, and one of them is uh, Goro Akechi, you know, the boy detective. Um, 
Yeah, that's and right. they actually changed sort of how his uh, his uh, relationship status thing works somewhat. So you can't really use the same strategies necessarily that you did the first time around. Um, but I've been kind of making it. That, 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 that's the reason why last week I mentioned that. Uh, yeah, if this is the second time playing. You're probably better off using FAC, but. Yeah, if, if it's your first time playing the game, which I know, which I know it, it isn't for you, like yeah. the main way to get all the, the new content is to focus on all the new stuff. And yeah. if you've played it before, you don't know what that new stuff is. Yeah, so, um, but uh, yeah, so I already maxed um, I'm a good halfway through the other two, but I've already gone past summer break, which means that I got a summer break and the school trip, which means I kind of have to Really hunker down and focus on some of the stuff. Good thing though is I know what gifts I can give them to help, you know, speed it along. So, you know, there's also that. But yeah, that game is still incredibly fun and incredibly addictive to play. And yeah, just I just love it. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, uh, Dan, what about you? Yeah, uh, for me, it's primarily been God of War. Um, yeah. Did come in late, so um, I, I don't know if, how much Chris already went in, into detail regarding his uh, play so far. Um, uh, but for me, I've gotten as far as um, Atreus getting his new arrow, where he can like shoot all the green stuff. Did you get that get, get that far, Chris? Mm-hmm. No, I got to the first town. Okay, yeah. So um, that happens pretty much there. So we're 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 almost at at, at the same spot. And um, yeah, like w- when you're playing this game. Um, yeah, obviously you you'll want to have uh, want to play the 2018 version first, um, just because like you have access to a whole bunch of things that you don't get access to until later on in uh, the prior game. So, yeah, it's pretty cool so far. Um, it's back to the whole everything on one take, and um, part of what made the uh, 2018 God of War so awesome for me is the fact that almost everything was a spectacle. And they really turn up the notch on that with um, God of War Ragnarok. Like, I don't want to go into details because it, it affects the plot, but some of these early fights um, are already pretty epic. I'm having a great time with the battle system. It, it also is a little bit harder than I remember. Like, I, I've died like maybe six times, and I remember in the previous one, I didn't die until I hit a Valkyrie. So, and for the record, I've never killed any of the Valkyries, so I don't really consider myself very skilled at all. Um, but yeah, some of the puzzle solving is pretty cool. You're using the Leviathan axe as a, as your as your ice thing. Um, you have like sort of a hook shot early on in the game, and like the game actually is feels fairly open right from the get go, which is something that the uh, the, the prior one didn't do uh, as much, just because like it was it was a little bit more linear, but it didn't really open up towards the end. Whereas this one, it feels like it's a little bit more open ended. Um, really enjoying it so far. Atreus has definitely come into his own as a character. Um, he's definitely. Uh, matured, you can hear it in his voice and whatnot, and the the, the performance from uh, the, the 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 voice actors is just is just fantastic. Uh, I I still love the uh, the talking head. Uh, it's great. I guess it gives up um, a whole lot more lore to it. And um, yeah, uh, I'm not as far as I as I as I would like to be, but I hope to uh, get some uh, gameplay in tonight before another trip I take later on hmm. uh, the week. Um, aside from that, I've also played a little bit of Bayonetta 3, uh, not that much more. I've played like one more mission, and mm. this game also feels a little bit more open-ended than what I'm used to. Granted, I've only played like through half of the first one and maybe the first mission of the second, whereas this third one, like 
I don't want to say it's open world, but like there's a lot of like uh, point A to point B stuff that seems a little bit open ended because you can uh, you can free roam in this one level that I'm at. So that's actually pretty interesting and definitely a breath of fresh air compared to the fact that I've um, I feel like I've been watching more than I've been playing, and that's been like my main complaint for this game so far. Mm. Um, aside from that, I've also started Tinykin on Xbox uh, Game Pass. Um, it is a 3D uh, uh, open world platformer, but it's also very um, it's also very similar to Pikmin because uh, the character you use has access to all these little guys that you can just throw at places just to solve puzzles. Mm. It's pretty cool so far, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I also did buy Sonic uh, uh, Frontiers because it was like forty bucks um, as, as a Black Friday sale, so uh, I, I look forward to jumping into that one. Yeah, I'm getting that one from GameFly here probably the next couple days. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that whole thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch Jeff Gersman play a couple hours of it. And I can see like his interest peaked in the game when the new metal Evanescence song showed up during one of the boss fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like, all right, all right, this is where it went Sonic. Because you get this very specific kind of song that is tied to the franchise. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that was... Sort of a humorous thing, especially when... So that is a game that doesn't have an open world. It has, mm. like, a handful of them. Mm. Uh, so once you beat one, you move over to the next one kind of thing. And he realized, like, oh, yeah, all the pre-order stuff that made the the first one seem like it was super easy, that all goes away for the second one where you have to actually play the game. Which is like, mm. all right, you got to do all the grinding for uh, materials and such yeah. uh, that you need uh, for real. And that's where... A lot of things start to become clear about that game. And it depends entirely upon how much you like Sonic. At least the yeah. Sonic tropes of the the many games they've made over the past 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's get to some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, uh, a new month for the PlayStation Plus game catalog mm-hmm. of stuff for the uh, extra and premium tiers. Mm-hmm. I'll go here for the the first tier that's for extra and premium. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim for PS4 and PS5, uh, special edition. So you get all the the fancy Mm -hmm. uh, extras on that. Not uh, everything that comes with the anniversary edition. Obviously, Mm -hmm. they would like you to pay the 20 bucks to upgrade to get all that stuff, but you'll be fine with what this comes with. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't you think it adds like fishing and a couple other weird things to it. Yeah. Uh, but along with that, uh, Ubisoft jumps in with Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Another game where they're fine with you having just access to the game so you can buy uh, you know, the characters and whatnot in that game. Yeah. Uh, it's PS4 and PS5. Uh, and then Square Enix shows up and says, hey, do you like Kingdom Hearts? We're giving you all the Kingdom Hearts. Uh, there's Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 remix. Yeah. Uh, there's Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Kingdom Hearts 3 PS4. Mm. Conveniently not the one that comes with the expansion because you can buy that with your own money. Uh, they also put in Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, which is the rhythm game, uh, which may be the one I might check out because uh, that's one that uh, I played the demo. I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. But I'm not that interested in Kingdom Hearts music to buy a whole game about it. 
Uh, but yeah, it has uh, 140 tracks from across the the various games in the series, so mm. might be something interesting to check out. Those are all PS4 games. There's no PS5 versions of any of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Outworld Soulstorm Enhanced Edition for PS4 and PS5. Uh, it's a pretty decent new Oddworld game. Uh, for that, it's an Enhanced Edition. They went back and uh, improved some things, mm-hmm. make it better, because like, there were definitely some some issues people had with it. Mm. Uh, so there you go. Uh, then Ubisoft comes back with Tom Clancy's The Division 2 for PS4. Uh, so you can get access to that. And also Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can check that game out. Uh, also, let's see, there's Chorus, PS4 and PS5. That is a space combat shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, he plays dual protagonist Nara and her sentient AI companion in Starfighter Forsaken. Uh, that one I've heard good things about, so I might check that out. Mm. Uh, there's What Remains of Edith Finch for PS4. Yep. I assume you might get the PS5 version as well with that. Uh, that got a PS5 and Xbox Series X and S upgrade recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that game's a lot of fun to check out mm-hmm. if you're into narrative adventure games. Uh, let's see, The Gardens Between, that is a uh, puzzle adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS4 and PS5, that one's one. I started that on Xbox Game Pass, got a little bit in, and took a break and never came back, so I might pick it up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you're kind of rewinding and messing with time flow uh, to solve puzzles there. And other stuff coming out on the game catalog here, Earth Defense Force World Brothers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one that's Minecraft. At least the, the visual style is like Minecraft. Mm. Uh, where it's all blocky, uh, boxily kind of look. Uh, there's Earth of Force Iron Rain, which I think is another game in the series that people didn't necessarily like. At least Earth Defense Force people didn't like super yeah. well. I think it was one where they were trying to do something different, I think, a little bit. Mm. And of course, the people that like the other games don't take well that. Mm. Uh, there's One Chanbara Origin as well. Yeah, uh, I believe that's probably an origin game around the uh, the scantily clad samurai girls. Yeah, fight zombies. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a live action movie made yep. in Japan one of those times, and it's about what you would expect out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's the new games for extra and premium. Uh, just for premium, the classic stuff, it seems to just be those Ratchet & Clank games we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get the the first three games, Ratchet & Clank games, that are the PS3 versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deadlocked and uh, Ratchet & Clank Future Tools of Destruction, all mm-hmm. PS3 games, so they are streaming only. Uh, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Some pretty good stuff there. All right. Oh, sorry, the, the, the highlight is uh, The Guardians Between. Uh, that's always something I've, I've, I've had my eye on and I don't know if it's still on the Xbox uh, uh, Game Pass list, but like that's definitely something I've uh, wanted to try. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it looks like this this package is uh, consistently doing some good stuff for um, PlayStation owners. And uh, I don't know where 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 they're at as far as like the success of stuff. But um, the other one I I also have like my Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Uh, that game just for some reason doesn't drop below fifteen dollars. And uh, cool, I can find it. I just download it. So looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, some neat stuff there. Uh, and obviously big stuff for people that have not played any of the other stuff. 
the the Kingdom Hearts stuff or you know Ghost Recon or whatever. Yeah, Skyrim. You mm. somehow haven't played that in the past ten years. Yeah. But yeah, let's get to some dates. Uh, first up here is Chained Echoes. Uh, this mm. is a turn-based RPG. Yeah. Uh, from uh, being published by Deck Thirteen Spotlight mm-hmm. and developer Matthias Linda. Uh, this will be coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and it'll also be on Game Pass when it launches for console and PC. Uh, it looks pretty neat from what I've seen here, and they have some release date trailer and all that. Kind of looks like a you may have a little bit of a, a Chrono Trigger looking kind of battle system, but I'm not 100 percent sure mm-hmm. just how it all works. But it looks pretty neat for what it is. Mm-hmm. There's not too many of those. Uh, JRPG style indie games, but mm. they're definitely going for a PS1 and uh, Super Nintendo kind of influence. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that might be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, it looks like it'll be twenty five bucks. Otherwise, if you don't want to get it from Game Pass on Xbox, mm-hmm. so there you go. Uh, other one coming out about a week later, uh, December thirteenth. Infinite Guitars. Yeah. This is a rhythm RPG uh, published by Humble Games mm. and developer Nico Nico. Uh, this will be Switch, Xbox One, and PC for about 20 bucks. Uh, looks really neat from what I've seen. Uh, they're also going to be putting the, the album out on Apple Music and Spotify mm-hmm. uh, here on November 17th, so pretty soon. So you can just listen to that uh, up front if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, everything I... Looking at here at the screenshots and such sounds pretty neat. Mm-hmm. As you get a very anime style to it, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, looks pretty fun. So, looking forward to that as well. Uh, and the last date we have here: Tales of Symphonia Remastered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest remaster of this game uh, is going to be out February seventeenth. Mm-hmm. PS4, Switch, Xbox One. Uh, that's yeah, that was announced earlier this year, and kind of has the one caveat. It seems like it is going to be limited to 30 FPS, mm-hmm. uh, despite you know many of the other JRPG remasters around getting uh, improvements up to 60 FPS. Uh, this one seems to I don't know if it has tech issues mm-hmm. with the engine or whatever, but uh, yeah, that's uh, unfortunate, but. Mm-hmm. People still jump at a chance to play this game that is at least uh, well-liked by the fan base. Yeah. I don't know how well it's going to be liked by people outside of that. Well, I mean, you know, the Tales of Asperia got faster, and it did really Yeah. Well, that's a lot more modern than For me, in particular, Tales of Symphonia was the game that really put the franchise on the map. Yeah. Also, in, uh, coincidentally... The GameCube was just starving for for third party content, and like this was a huge, I mean, sort of at the, at the time of its release, sort of like a huge um, third party exclusive. Even though it eventually came out on PC, but mm. uh, it was yeah, it, it was sort of that for the GameCube, and like that sort of just had an install base there. Like this, this came out during a time where it was a big deal that a GameCube game would have two discs. You know, mm. kind of weird. Yeah, like for me, it's definitely a bright spot in the series. The part that is a little bit questionable is the fact that. 
it's remastered, but if you if you look at these trailers, it, it doesn't look good. Um, and it's unfortunate because uh, the Tales series is, um, I mean, especially looking at at Arise, it's one of the better looking games as as far as the the, the genre goes. And you know, when you when you look at it now, it looks bad. Um, I'm sure, like obviously, it, it doesn't affect the overall quality of the game. But if you want to introduce this to a new audience, this is kind of uh, we'll see how that goes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, they even put it in this Q&A, the link in the article, uh, that yeah, you get 1080p and uh, all of these platforms, except for, obviously, Switch and handheld mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's 30 FPS on all three platforms, regardless of which way you play it, on what powerful system you play it on. So, yeah, uh, at least it looks like it's going to be about 11 gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not too big uh, for that. Uh, but yeah, that's also coming out in a very busy time frame in mm-hmm. the middle of February. Uh, sort of right uh, before and after a bunch of games, mm-hmm. uh, bigger games that people are looking forward to. So it might be one if you're not sold on it right now, just wait. Ben and Amco loves to put their games on sale. And I've been like looking at the, the stuff they've been put on sale late and they're putting stuff on sale for like 80 to 90% off. Mm. Like that uh, open world one piece game is like 90% off right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll check that out. I'll see this weird game where Luffy can sneak behind enemies and take them out quietly. that He, he would never do in mm-hmm. anime. Uh, that's just not his style, but I can do that in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's get to some more news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remedy has announced a new deal that they have signed with 505 Games to work on Control 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, once known as Codename Heron. It's currently in the concept phase, so probably won't be out for at least a few more years. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be at least available on PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, and PC. Yeah. Uh, they're publishing the PC version, while 505 will handle publishing the console versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they did post some concept art mm-hmm. uh, that's about as much as they've got on the game right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right now they're working on getting Alan Wake 2 out the door. So, Yeah, among other stuff. Yeah. Because uh, they also have like a multiplayer control mm-hmm. game that they're working on as well. Uh, so they got a lot on their plate. Uh, and they're also working on Remakes of Max Payne 1 and 2 as well. Uh, so yeah, they got a lot to work on. Mm-hmm. And they said their initial development budget is at 50 million euros, mm-hmm. which is probably not too different from what it is in uh, US bucks. You have about 51 million. Yeah. So not huge, but probably pretty huge for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like this, this is a studio that um, prior to control, you know, mm-hmm. it was out. And, just, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So happy to see them being busy. Control 2, I wouldn't say is a surprise, but it's definitely a game that deserves a follow-up. I mean, after mm-hmm. all, I believe this game takes pl- actually takes place in the, uh, or the series takes place in the Alan Wake universe, right? So it's cool seeing them continue to grow the lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of their expansions was called Awe, Alan Wake Experience. Uh, Alan Wake Experience? I forgot the uh, the E stood for. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, in the similar realms of just weird shit that happens. 
Uh, so yeah, there you go. Control two officially mm-hmm. happening, even though we were pretty sure it was going to happen anyway. Uh, also happening. Capcom announced that they are working on a Monster Hunter mobile game mm-hmm. with Timmy Studio Group, uh, a developer that you may not know by name, but they've worked on a number of games, uh, particularly Pokemon Unite, as well as Metal Slug Code J. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, uh, I think they're working on an upcoming open world game called Hunter of Kings World. Mm-hmm. The the most generic mobile game name you could make, uh, but yeah, they're working on a new uh, Monster Hunter game, and yeah, that seems like that could work with the way that uh, mobile games these days are much more capable of having bigger environments and being a bit more complicated, especially with all these sort of controller add-ons and such you can get for these phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to play that kind of stuff. So if you're that kind of person that needs Mobile Hunter on your phone, though that's probably more aimed at the Asian market that is very much all about the the mobile game stuff. Yeah. Japan, Korea, China, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll probably do very well over there. Yeah. Versus just doing some minor ports to the, to the, the phones. But that's about all the information we have here, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Monster Hunter game happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, next up here we have an acquisition. Crafton mm-hmm. has acquired Neon Giants. Uh, this is the developer of The Ascent. Uh, they are already working on their next game, which they have said is going to be an open world first person shooter. Oh, okay. So that probably fits Crafton pretty well. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you don't know that name, they are the PUBG publisher, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the uh, what's the Dead Space game, uh, Callisto Protocol. Yep. So yeah, they they like their shooty games. Mm-hmm. Uh, though they are also publishing that weird turn-based tabletop tactics game, mm-hmm. uh, Moonbreaker. So yeah, they're getting a little bit of variety in there uh, for that. But uh, yeah, there's not really much to this. That, it's just part of their earnings report here that came out this week. Uh, so good on the dev for doing well enough to get some bigger financial support. Mm. Hopefully they get to make the, the stuff they want to make. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. And then we'll get to some beefs that people oh, have yes. aired. Uh, mm. We talked a while ago about the situation going on at ZAUM. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company surrounding uh, uh, the makers of Disco Elysium yep. that had uh, dismissed a number of the chief creatives. Pretty much of all of game. them, actually. Like, pretty yeah. much all of the develop- original developers and the writer just have gone. Yeah. And the the big thing that happened a few weeks ago is that uh, let's see, Martin Luiga Mm-hmm. I believe had, or no, Kurvitz, uh, Robert Kurvitz filed a lawsuit late late last month uh, that accused them of committing fraud. Uh, at least two of the people: CEO Ilmar Compass mm-hmm. and executive producer Tonis Havel, of committing fraud to take over the whole taking over the holding company that owns the studio. Yeah, and Havel in particular has committed fraud in the past. 
Yeah. So uh, as I've said in a medium post, uh, we have at two trick. OU must have attained control over Zaum studio. Mm-hmm. OU by fraud. We believe the money used by two trick OU to buy the majority stake was taken illegally from Zaum studios. OU itself. Mm. Money that belonged to the studio and all shareholders, but was used for the benefit of one. Money that should have gone towards making the sequel. Uh, that's like they've said, there's potential for a criminal charge to be filed that would like require them to go to prison for like three years, something like that. Oh, yeah. And it seems like uh, over the past few days, they put out ZAUM, put out a statement accusing uh, these creatives of fostering a toxic work environment, trying to illegally sell the company's intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, let's see, the rumor that our decision to terminate the contracts of these individuals was taken for financial gain mm. is entirely unfounded, does not in any way reflect the facts. It was a decision that had to be taken for the well-being of the collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's back and forth going on with this. Uh, supposedly, yeah. Hobble was secretly in charge of the studio's purse strings and top-level decision-making. Yeah. United and ZAUM CEO Ilmar Compass told the newspaper Kurvitz had not been fired over financial disagreements, but over refusal to turn in satisfactory work and for treating colleagues poorly. Compass yeah. wanted to accuse Kurvitz specifically of bullying women in the past and said that once the company was made aware, it decided to take action. Mm-hmm. Uh, while active litigation limits what we can share publicly, we believe additional information will provide a more comp- accurate picture given our former employees have neglected to mention key facts to reporters on blogs and other public platforms. Mm. And so there's a whole uh, big statement you can read that is very dense. And then yeah, Kurvitz and Rostov's statement as well. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly dense with information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just shows how messy this is all going to be trying to figure out like what is uh, truth or what is put out there as spin or deflections yeah uh, whatnot yeah um, so it's just it's kind of reminded me of the whole situation that developed the bayonetta's voice actor voice actor and how it just kind of spiraled into something just very unpleasant <laughs> yeah because it's like yeah you know people were willing to rally around her because yeah voice actors do kind of get a raw deal and yeah, I mean, she, you know, her voice is kind of a big part of that franchise, and she probably des- does deserve to get a bit more money. And then it turns out that she was also, for one thing, she was actually lying, that she was um, actually given, uh, offered more money than she admitted to, and she's just an all-around shitty person as well. And the fact that she kind of threw another voice actor, Jennifer Hale, under the bus for getting, for taking the job, you know? Yeah. Um, and so now we got, you know, Kurvitz, who's really is the sort of creative center of, uh, both, you know, the, the, uh, Disco Elysium game and the universe it's based in, um, essentially more or less being forced out of the company that he helped that, you know, he founded specifically so that he could, you know, produce this project, um, and it, I don't know. I'm I kind of for for the moment I'm on Kurtz and their side here because 
again, we're talking about a person, you know, the f- guy in charge of the purse strings and producer who has committed fraud in the past. So, you know, how trustworthy is he with these accusations? And yet, you know, when stuff like, you know, misogyny and poor work environments, accusations come around, it is something, you know, you need to take those accusations, even if it's, you know, against someone you genuinely like. But so far, I have not seen really any good evidence to support the, uh, the side of the company at this moment. Um, But it's possible we'll hear about it later on. Yeah, we'll have to see if this goes to actual court and how that all plays out. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it is just a lot of stuff being thrown in both directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, that is the latest on that. We'll have to keep an eye on this and see if any big updates happen. But I imagine it being a potential lawsuit, maybe criminal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see if that happens anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, that will be in limbo for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this next one here is about something that's been in limbo for oh, about two years now. Uh, Doom Eternal, mm-hmm. and it came out to a lot of good reviews and all that. Yeah, critical acclaim, uh, and it's a, overall a really fun game. Yeah, and the the soundtrack was a thing that people were very critical on, involving. Uh, especially when they decided to put the official soundtrack in the special edition. Yeah. That uh, Mick Gordon got blamed for a lot of the poor quality of things in here being difficult to work with and all this. Yeah. Uh, they, Marty Stratton and id Software sort of posted a big thing on uh, the Reddit, the Doom Reddit, I assume, mm-hmm. uh, about this whole issue. And so Mick Gordon has been kind of seemingly sitting on the the sidelines watching all this happen. Yeah. And has uh, posted his own big, long uh, medium post, um, Mm. about 14,000 words, uh, according to the the Kotaku article here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically providing a lot of details and such about how he has been treated incredibly poorly uh, throughout this whole dev process and his involvement in that. Cause he's not a, an employee of it software. He's a contractor mm-hmm. uh, claimed that, you know, there was a good eight month period where he wasn't even paid for his work. Yeah. It wasn't paid until eight months. He was eight months through its production. Never approved of the soundtracks release, you know, on a physical disc mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, wasn't informed that he'd be working on the soundtrack until Doom Eternal's Collector's Edition was advertised to the public. Mm. And that even Marty Stratton offered him a six-figure sum to stay quiet about the matter. Mm. Uh, an NDA of sorts that is not a, not a thing you do if you're uh, not wanting to keep people from telling the truth about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, B.S. said that you know when he found out that he had to work on this uh, soundtrack OST for the collector's edition that he had to crunch for 18 to 20 hour days to meet their deadline for it. Yeah. And then even then he didn't get to hear the final soundtrack and approve that uh, work that was put into it. 
until it released. Mm. And that's, you know, so the result of the OST's careless editing and its obvious technical faults, mistakes, and errors left them stunned. Alongside my direct contributions were an additional 47 tracks made by poorly editing together bits and pieces taken from my in-game score. They exhibited the same thoughtless disregard for basic music fundamentals that plagued the preliminary edits id software showed me a week earlier. Mm. And yeah, it has a lot of receipts to show, lots of uh, screenshots of things. He literally has a bunch of links to the various parts of this, so it is, he put a lot of work even into just the formatting of this post here on Medium uh, for that. So if you're looking for all that... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he said, I haven't been paid for over half of Doom Eternal's music. Yeah. Uh, the game includes more than double the music I was contracted to produce, rejects, mock-ups, demos, many of which were never meant for public release. Mm-hmm. I created this music as part of the development process and shared it with id Software in good faith. But id Software used the music in the game, marketing and soundtrack, and still refuses to pay me for it. And he has said that, you know, the Doom Eternal OST was a mess. It was announced with my name attached and made available for pre-order before I was contracted to produce it. Despite my alarm and constant appeals, Marty refused to do anything about the situation, leading to a nine-month delay mm-hmm. before I could start work. After seven months of inaction, I reported my concerns to Bethesda. Bethesda and I negotiated the Doom Eternal OST directly without Marty's involvement. Yeah. I received the contract on March 18th, 2020, just a 48 hours before Doom Eternal was released. Mm-hmm. The delay was announced a week earlier before I was under contract. The deadline was uh, April 16th, 29 days later. The contract stipulated id software had complete creative control would acquire access to all my source material. Mm-hmm. You know that Marty withheld crucial details from him until 13 days before the deadline, such as potential legal trouble they faced for taking pre-orders before it was under contract. Details about their internally produced OST, an alternative edited from my in-game score, which they'd worked on for at least six months without my knowledge or involvement. You know, he didn't approve the release and the the Reddit statements that uh, open letter that they put out, uh, yeah, all the lies that were in it, you know, the NDA he was offered to keep him from talking about this and all that. Uh, and yeah, this is along the way his uh, reputation and all that took a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably lost opportunities for other work in uh, the wake of that release and the... Uh, the big statement it put out and all that. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in getting into all of that trauma, that is all there and pretty well mm-hmm. documented. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out if you are interested in that. It seems like a very shitty situation. I don't know if he's looking at any sort of uh, lawsuit or anything. Probably not. He probably just wants the the truth to be out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the the interesting thing is sort of since uh, that game's release, you know, Microsoft's acquisition was finalized, and so they are, you know, ultimately the top ones involved in all this. Yeah. Now, so that would be interesting to see if that is any part of this as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, he did a very good job on those those scores. Yeah. In the game, in a lot of games these days. You know the the in-game score is you know a lot of snippets of music because it's supposed to be you know weaved in and out as things happen. So concocting a 
OST out of that is uh, a very tough thing to do. Oh yeah. And especially when you're just hiring people internally to just do it without the composer's input. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something you hate to see, especially with uh, Modern Doom, because, you know, Modern Doom is all the crazy rock soundtracks. They've been tremendous. I've never played a Doom game, but I've definitely heard their soundtracks. Yeah, you can totally rock on to, like, Demon Killing. You know, Brandon mentioned the example with um, the Bayonetta 3 voice actors. It's tough to see this happening with music, too, especially with how important this is to sound. It's just really rough, but... Glad this guy is trying to get the truth out, and you know, and unfortunately, id Software has been one of those companies that's sort of been like the rock stars of the industry, uh, and, I, and I'm saying that in a negative tone. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Microsoft's able to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unfortunate situation. Hopefully, there's some rectification there. But uh, yeah, let's get to some more positive news here at the end. The Indie World Showcase happened earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I believe it was announced on Monday. Uh, then they held it on Wednesday morning. Oh. As uh, I was glad they did that because doing it on Tuesday would have been kind of weird with all the election day stuff going on. Oh just yeah, extra chaos for no real reason. So they took the the smart route of putting it on Wednesday. So yeah, uh, work our way through this list, and there's a lot of interesting indie games here. Uh, there is they start off with Venba. Mm. Uh, that's let me see yeah this is a a narrative cooking game set in the 1980s uh, yeah with like South Indian family that recently immigrated to Canada mm-hmm. and so they're trying to yeah reconnect with their heritage and trying to figure out a recipe they thought they had lost mm-hmm. uh, or multiple recipes and figure that out and sort of get in tune with their their family history mm-hmm uh, that'll be out Switch and PC in spring 2023. Uh, it's nice to see some more of these like uh, cooking games, especially oh, ones yeah. around other cultures that uh, you don't typically see mm-hmm. too much of. So, yeah, that one looks pretty neat. Uh, then there's Goodbye World. Uh, this is a, let's see, yeah, about two friends and indie game developers striving to find the perfect idea for the next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch their story develop as you play through stages of a retro-inspired puzzle platformer while following their day-to-day struggles. Uh, so that's kind of a neat approach. That is a uh, Switch and PC. It'll be out sometime in November, later this month. Uh, kind of weird not to have a date yet, but I'm sure they'll announce it whenever they're ready. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next one up here. Have a nice death. This is one we... Go ahead. I think the main thing is just making sure that, you know, they're shown on, on the direct. That way it has some sort of a spotlight, especially when mm-hmm. you go into the shop and it says, oh, featured on Nintendo Direct. And then they have a list of games there. And then, like, yeah. just to quickly go, go back to the first game, like, um, it's pretty interesting seeing how they're um, going ahead and mixing the cooking with uh, various uh, historical and story aspects. Um, like, because otherwise, like, it, it would be tough to really care, right? Seeing that this is made from a diverse team, um, made with, like, uh, cuisine that's uh really taken off like i want to say in uh europe and stuff but not as big in like in the united states like it, it would be pretty interesting there so i'm uh, looking forward to eventually trying that one out yeah huh. yeah uh next game here is have a nice death this is one that's been out in early access on pc for a little bit 
Mm. Uh, but it's kind of a game about being uh, the CEO of Death Incorporated, aka mm-hmm. Death. And you have not heard from your various departments in a while. Yeah. Uh, so you have to go down and bust some heads and kill all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you learn your new spells and curses and get new weapons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that'll be out March 22nd, 2023, Switch and PC. Mm. Uh, so you can keep an eye on that. But if you want to play it sooner, PC has an early access a version you can play as it gets finished up. Mm-hmm. Uh, next game here, Akka, a.k.a. Uh, from uh, yeah, Cosmo, Ghetto, and Neowiz. Uh, yeah, you're in this top-down, open-worldish kind of game, a smaller kind of game, as you're finding inner peace on an isolated island paradise and handcrafted islands covered in majestic mountains, dense tropical forests, and inviting hot springs. Akka yeah. can nourish Sure, flora and fauna, build a shelter, craft items, or even feed, feed baby dragons. So kind of a uh, one of those kind of uh, farming survival kind of games, but less about fighting enemies or anything like that. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of a neat uh, approach there. That'll be out switching PC December 15th. Uh, next up here, Pepper Grinder. This is yep. published by Devolver Digital. Uh, this is a a uh, character named Pepper, who has this drill that uh, she uses to uh, burrow through these levels, grabbing all the gold and treasure that's been stolen from her, somehow mm-hmm. lost in the dirt and all that. Uh, but this is like an action-adventure game kind of thing. Uh, so you're kind of digging through the terrain and all that kind of stuff. Looks mm-hmm. really neat from what it is, what they've shown so far. Yeah, Pepper Driller was uh, by far my game of the show so far. And of course, it's a Devolver game. I don't know, there's a normally bangers and it's no different. Um, mm. It brings up a lot of, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, um, Drill Dozer. It was a game developed by Game Freak, I think for the Game Boy Advance, like, way, way back. And I, I had a lot of fun with that one. So uh, this one looks a lot more fan, uh, fast-paced. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be coming to Switch and PC. Next year at some point, all they gave was 2023. Yeah. You'll see that at some point. Uh, next up here, Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus in uh, Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the follow-up to the original game. Unfortunately, the uh, lead dev on that died last or earlier this year at some point. Yeah. Uh, so, But the, the rest of the team is carrying on with that. It's sort of a coffee brewing narrative uh adventure visual novel kind of thing mm-hmm. as you're a barista in your own late night coffee shop, talking to a bunch of weird characters and you get to some, some people that are of a more fantastical nature, you know, ogres and that kind of stuff. Uh, so you're kind of trying to find the, the right coffee for each person. You can even do latte art mm-hmm. as well. And even find secret recipes. So it looks neat. That is out. On everything, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, PC, spring of next year. Mm. So you can check that one out. Uh, there's Oni, Road to the Mightiest Oni. This one we've talked about before. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, one where you're a, you're a demon warrior, uh, Oni, who 
is in this like 3D action adventure game where you're fighting other demons uh, as you're sort of dealing with a lot of like folk Japanese folktale mm-hmm. kind of stuff in there. So uh, looks really neat. You can also have a friend join you with a uh, or no, you'll be able to control both characters with a single Joy-Con controller. Mm. Okay, that's just how you play it. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, neat. It's going to be out on PlayStation, Switch, and PC March 9th, 2023. Mm. So you get a potential good indie game there early next year. Uh, next up here, Desta, The Memories Between uh, for Switch and PC. This is from the creators of Monument Valley. Mm. Uh, this is a roguelike uh, yeah, let's see. Strategic turn-based tactics as well as dodgeball action. Uh, that's a... It was like a very neat look uh, to it and kind of a strategy as you kind of run around in these areas to pick up these like dodgeball-looking yep. uh, things that you can throw at enemies or you know bounce off of walls and such to get some good surprise hits on them uh, as you're trying to... Uh, do all stuff to, yeah. uh, let's see, defeat them or even like affect how they're talking to you, mm-hmm. conversation, all that kind of stuff. So that was pretty neat. Uh, and there's a space for the Unbound. Uh, that one's been around a bit. Uh, yeah. Let's see, where's it at on here? There it is. It's a slice of life adventure game mm-hmm. uh, set in the late '90s, rural Indonesia. Uh, tell a story about the relationship between a boy and a girl with supernatural powers. When mysterious power threatens their existence, must explore their town to uncover hidden secrets. They see yeah. the world and perhaps learn more about each other. Uh, that'll be out PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC January 19th of 2023. I think it's the, the week before the, the Dead Space remake, so... Yeah. Busy, busy time there. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see, next up was a game called Dordogne. Uh, this is from a French studio. Uh, as I say, in this immersive narrative experience, you play as Mimi, a girl who spent all her childhood summers in the Dordogne region of France. Mm-hmm. Now Mimi returns to the home of her late grandmother, who has left behind a series of letters and lost family secrets to be uncovered. And then you're kind of going back and forth between the past and the present as you're kind of discovering secrets that lets you know more about your grandmother and uh, family history and secrets and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. That looks really neat. Uh, that's going to be out on everything. PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC, Spring 2023. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, published by Focus Entertainment. Uh, so there's that. That looks pretty neat. And there's Botany Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an adventure game uh, where you're, let's see, you take on the role of Arabella Green, a retired botanist who owns a historical manor in the 19th century. Uh, she takes care of the manor's magnificent gardens by solving plant-based puzzles and preserving a collection of forgotten flora. Expect the manor will show clues, newspaper clippings, letters, and more to help Arabella's gardening skills blossom mm-hmm. while you're learning more about her. So, yeah. Uh, that'll be out switching PC sometime next year. Uh, and, yeah, Once Upon a Jester, I talked about that earlier. It's out now, switching PC. Uh, very fun game. Definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also had Rogue Legacy 2. It is now out on the Switch. Hmm. Uh, so you can check that out. It's more Rogue Legacy. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Then they showed off Blanc. Uh, this is... Yeah, this is the game featuring a fawn and a wolf cub that 
uh, work together to survive in this uh, snowy uh, area where neither mm-hmm. one is able to survive alone mm-hmm. as they try to find their way home. Uh, so it's kind of a co-op adventure uh, game of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's completely text-free. You have local and online multiplayer or co-op play mm-hmm. as you can play with uh, friends or maybe strangers. I don't know if they would have any sort of uh, matchmaking or sorts with that. Uh, yeah. That'll be a console exclusive on Nintendo Switch. It'll be out February 14th. Uh, it'll also be out on PC at some point as well, or probably PC that same day. Yeah. Uh, we had another game that's coming out in the middle of all that chaos. Yep. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see. WrestleQuest. That is the sort of wrestling RPG kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed up a bit more of that, and that'll be out May 2023. Uh, that is on everything, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Mm-hmm. So that'll be neat to see. Uh, there's Wobble Dogs Console Edition. Uh, yeah, that's uh, on Switch. That's a Switch version of a, a PC, uh, as they call it here, a casual 3D pet simulation sandbox. Yep. Which pet players care for their own personal collection of wobbly, mutating dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be out November 17th, so later this week, mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, then there's Storyteller, and an award-winning reactive puzzler in which players must use their own wits to retell iconic tales. Uh, that'll be out March 23rd, 2023, is a console launch exclusive. Yeah. Uh, so there you go for that. And, oh yeah, that's this game. It's very kind of storybook style where you have these frames to uh, move characters around to tell the, the story that yeah. uh, you get from the title kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also one where you can find alternate story ideas to play around with, maybe get alternate solutions for things. So that's a very neat. Uh, let's see world of horror. Uh, this is a game that's been on game pass for a while. I don't think it is anymore, but it's a, they call it a one-bit roguelite horror RPG mm-hmm. that is very much based on uh, Junji Ito style of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pits players against the eldritch mysteries and malevolent legends of Japanese folklore. Yep, uh, that is, uh, I think, already out on Xbox at this point, but it'll be coming to PS4, Switch, and PC next summer, 2023. Mm. Uh, that might be when it's hitting 1.0. I'm not 100 sure on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed off Curse of the Sea Rats, which is like a uh, hand-animated uh, Metroid-like featuring pirate rats. Yep. Uh, so you can check that out. That's Switch and PC early 2023. Uh, Inscription, uh, that is a you know deck-building roguelite, roguelike mm-hmm. uh, with escape room style like puzzles and yep. some little bit of scary, spooky stuff in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as some game... Uh, fourth wall breaking stuff uh, that'll yep. be out on Switch December first mm-hmm. to check out. And yeah, a little to the left, I mentioned playing that earlier. That's a very good little puzzle game mm-hmm. uh, out now. Switch and PC. And the last one they ended with a game that people have been uh, excited to get an update on for a while. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Uh, I forgot the game I was going to reference, but it's a sports story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the follow-up to Golf Story, uh, I believe this is also a complete Switch exclusive. Yep. 
uh, where it's a sport RPG where you uh, sort of rise through the ranks of the sports world and you learn to take on just all sorts of different disciplines. Uh, You have golf and tennis and football or soccer uh, in that sense, but then also be able to try out BMX and volleyball and cricket and a bunch of other stuff in there but yeah it's not always just about sports you'll you'll explore uh the world and go into i guess dungeons and all this kind of weird stuff which golf story kind of had some of that weird stuff where you Mm -hmm. kind of went and did other things beyond just golf though it was all in the context of how you control golf games Mm -hmm. so i'm curious to see how they expand that stuff but that's out in december almost here so Mm -hmm. We'll probably have a date for that pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was the Indie World Showcase. Some good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a lot of stuff for uh, people to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one was quite the banger for me. Like, I want to play on more. And the coolest thing about this project, it showed that even though the year almost, there is still a whole, you know, not, not even stuff that was shown on, on the, Things like call the the, the that, that one game from 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 the Rick and Morty creator, and then you you, you go ahead and throw uh, these on top. Like once December hits, like there is there is no lull; it just continues. So you know whether or not you're playing the games that you got on on things, um, there's still a whole lot to look forward to uh, under the Christmas tree. Once so, pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for the show this week. Hey, right. uh, Thank you to Brandon Danner for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with more game talk as we head into more of the holiday season, though I don't know that there's uh, a ton coming out this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see here. Gaming. Yeah, that's the, the thing I look at. It's the, the Wikipedia page people updates with at least the, the more notable stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Okay, yeah, there's a yeah. Pentiment is this week mm-hmm. uh, for Xbox and PC. Somerville is also Xbox and PC. There's that PS5 port of Ease Eight that I'm pretty sure is not going to be free for people that already own it on PS4. Because why yeah. would they do that? Uh, yeah, Ghost Simulator Three is out this week, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, Goodbye World is out this week as we. Talked about, uh, yeah, the the Wobble Dogs game mm-hmm. uh, is also out this week. Uh, the Dark Picture Anthology, Dark Pictures Anthology, The Devil yeah. Me is out as well. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Miles Morales is out on PC, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, so a lot of stuff this week. Uh, and Evil West is also out. Yeah. So there's that. And yeah, that's a, that's a lot. Next week we got... And that's the week after that. Gundam Evolution hits the PlayStation and Xbox consoles. It's the uh, if you don't want to play Overwatch because of Blizzard and all the, the icky stuff around there, uh, this game is what if uh, Overwatch had Gundams in it? Yeah, and that's uh, been a thing that people have been drawn to. Mm-hmm. People like Gundam games, and not been even they're great. Mm-hmm. This one seems to have gotten people's attention. Yeah, uh, and yeah, the Front Mission first remake is there. On the thirtieth, mm-hmm. so yeah, some some good stuff coming out here over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna 
do it for us. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the show, for free to let friends and family know they should check it out and select strangers that will uh, that hopefully uh, voted Democrats in the recent election. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Have a good one.